Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. zone. Thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Welcome into Truth or Fiction Tuesday. I am Andrew Coppins. Alongside me is Mr. Pat Oni. You can follow us on social media and uh, you can know how to do that if you are watching on the Rumble page. Pat, I'm sorry, am I boring you already? Yes, you are. Yes, yes, you are. We're 30 seconds into the show, man. 30 seconds in and I'm already boring you to death. Yes. And now some of you at home who are watching on the on the Rumble page, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. Um, you, you might notice uh, the background for me is a little bit different, and, and that's because it's hotter than the spirit of the age here in the Midwest. And uh, my house is already at uh, 73 degrees, Pat. And uh, um, it is, um, <clears throat> it is uh, what, 7.30 in the morning central time as we record this? Y- yeah. Um, so... Come talk to me when you get to triple digits. Oh, we're getting close to triple digits uh, today, tomorrow, and Thursday. So yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep. Um, and also, did I mention um, seventy-five, eighty percent humidity? Did I mention that? Yeah. See, see, that's that's the nice thing about living in the West. Dry heat. It, yeah, actually, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rolling blackouts though. At least you get a chance of thunderstorms every day. True. That is true. That is true. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a brutally hot one. And uh, my normal background doesn't uh, doesn't bode well when I have to crank the AC up. So, uh, yeah, new background for today. Let me know if you like it or not. I, I could potentially use this one uh, long term. But anyway, um, it is a truth or fiction Tuesday. And you can follow us on social media. You know that drill by now. Um, you can always go to criticalthinking.locals.com as well. And uh, Pat, a brand new episode of Reviving Liberty drops today. Actually, it's already dropped this morning. So go to your favorite podcasting platform. Check it out. Step three on your path towards a liberty mindset, towards living and reviving liberty. Um, and it's uh, Shine a Light. That is today's episode. Uh, we're going to talk about shining a light and what does that actually mean Versus what a lot of people will think it means. Um, so uh, excited for that. Um, hope everybody enjoys Reviving Liberty. So please subscribe to that. You can go to revivingliberty.com. Get all the information you need there. Um, all of that wonderful goodness out of the way. Pat, do you want to go first on Truth or Fiction Tuesday this week? Uh, if you would like me to, I can. Sure. Okay. All righty then. I think I'm going to start with this one. Truth or fiction. 
if Americans are saying the economy is doing poorly, um, it's because Joseph Marionette Biden is focused on the wrong things. Mm, that is a really, that is such mm. an, an, a loaded question for me. Um, let me think for a couple of seconds on this one. Um, I'm going to say fiction. Okay, why? Because I don't think he's focused on the wrong things, per se. I just think he's an incompetent buffoon who doesn't know what to do. So what things could he focus in on that he isn't focused in on would be my rebuttal to, to the potential for this to be true. Because in my mind, what is he focused in on? He's focusing in on gas prices, right? He's, I will say this. If you, if you said he's doing the wrong things, you would be correct. That would be truth. But this is fiction because he's not, <clears throat> he's not doing the wrong things or focused on the wrong things, I should say. He just doesn't know what to focus on. He doesn't know what he's doing. The, uh, the old British soccer chant, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. And it's because we see monetary policy that is absolutely and utterly incompetent. I mean, <clears throat> let's put it this way. If we had competent leadership at any level, Janet Yellen would not be our uh, Secretary of the Treasury, right? Janet Yellen, who literally stuck her head into the sand for a year and a half, and then oopsies, uh, came out of the sand as of what? Uh, May? Oh, what do you know? We 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 have a we have a different um we have a different way of looking at these things now and 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 it's not transitory and it's not this and it's not that. It is utter incompetence. It's not focusing in on the wrong things. Like like I guess what what should the president be focused in on that he isn't? Because <clears throat> For me, the kitchen table things are the things he should be focusing in on, right? The price of gas, the price of food, the price of this, the price of that. But the reality of the situation is that the president has little to no control over those things. The things that the president, the secretary of the treasury, the federal reserve, the government more broadly has control over are monetary policies and regulations, right? So for me, I look at that and go, hmm, he doesn't know what they should be focusing in on. It's not a, a missing target because politically, he's doing the smart thing. He's saying the rhetorically smart things, right? Like we're going to focus in on driving gas prices down. We're going to focus in on, you know, your, your food costs and blah, 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 blah. I could argue the incompetence also is in the messaging around that, right? He's acting as if a 25% or 25 cent decrease in gas, right? He's acting as if that is, uh, that's a, a win for the American people, except for we're still $2 above where we were when he was elected and inaugurated into the presidency of the United States of America. He is incompetent in messaging, even in the areas that he actually has nothing that he can affect. He has no control over the price of gas, none. Let's be real. Donald Trump has no control or had no control over the price of gas. This is the laws of supply, demand, <clears throat> and regulation. And the good things that Donald Trump did when it came to regulation were what? Allowing for more exploration of oil. Uh, we became a net exporter of oil. We stockpiled our reserves, which have been what? Depleted to about half of that level now under the Biden administration. You know, he's doing all the wrong things. He's messaging all the wrong things. But it's not that he's focusing in on the wrong things. Because as a president, whether you like it or not, you're going to get the blame for these kitchen table things, right? Even if you have no real control. Like, what is he supposed to do? Put his thumb on the scale? Like, that's the thing I don't understand about how the American public views these things, right? What is he supposed to do? We made fun of him for trying to put his thumb on the scale, right? Trying to imply that uh, you dastardly um, corner, you know, 
uh, mobile station or or Exxon station or Shell station or BP or or Quick Trip or whatever, right? You you dastardly corner store gas station owner, you're the one that's killing the American people. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't get it. It's incompetence. It's not for a lack of focusing on the wrong things. In my mind. What say you? I, I would also say fiction for a lot of the same reasons. Um, the, the president is not, you're right, the president is not in direct control over a lot of, of these things. But where this is coming from, and I, I just kind of want to go with this in detail a little bit and see if either of us change our answer. Okay. So the CNN SSRS poll. Uh, pulled more than 1,400 adults uh, between June 13th and July 13th. Okay. And just over 2 in 10 Americans, so uh, 21%, think things um, in this country are going well. Okay. Um, however, uh, 21% of the respondents said that things are going well compared to 79% uh, who said things are going very badly. Just 1% of Americans said things were going very well. Uh, 20% said things are going fairly well. On the opposite end of the spectrum, 34%. <laughs> Hang on a second. So that what, 22%? 22% believe things are going very well or fairly well? Well, yeah. Um. <clears throat> Can I meet that twenty one percent? Yeah, I, I would. That's the thing is, I would. I would like to as well, um, because I don't even think it's like, even if you, so even if you were a leftist, right, and you wanted to support Biden ardently through and through, <clears throat> you still have the you know kitchen table issues of abortion, gun control, all those things that you think isn't going very well. Am I am I missing something here? Well, and, and I'm just sitting here wondering, like, okay, of of that twenty two percent, I mean, what? First of all, what are your political leanings? Um, secondly, how, how, you know, what is how is inflation and the economy and all the issues therein right now affecting you around your kitchen table versus the other seventy nine percent? Okay, that, that that's what I would want to know, and that's why I, I I don't like this poll because. To me, there's more nuance to it than what this poll is suggesting. Um, I mean, my my wife and I were actually talking about this last night when we were putting in a grocery order and just how expensive things have gotten mm -hmm. and 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 what this administration is doing about. It. Now, granted, we've said this administration can't really do much about it. No president can. Um, but the, the problem is. There are a lot of economic policies that this administration has done that have trickled down into these things. Yeah, I mean, so, the greatest example of that is the deceleration of leases, right? The, right. The day one policies of stopping the Keystone XL pipeline. And yes, I get it. That does not affect your gasoline that goes into your car. Or right. your truck or your SUV or whatever, right? I understand that right. the Keystone XL pipeline is not about that type of oil. But it's not just that. It is the loss and lock of land leases. It's the, you know, it's all the things that they did two years ago that have exacerbated the problem. Like hmm. it is their inability to think critically and forward thinking. It is their inability to understand the implications of the policies and the trade-offs that can happen, right? It is almost as if ideology matters more than reality. And, and we can see that in the, the incessant push of electric vehicles, and we've talked about that. We, we've talked about the, the lack of the infrastructure to make this work more broadly. We have talked about the lack of the ability to produce enough batteries, by the way. If we took every car off the road and replaced it with an electric vehicle, right? <clears throat> if that was the goal, if that's what we were doing, we do not have the ability to produce enough lithium batteries 
in this entire world to do so. We have none. It is a an infinite supply. It is not an infinite supply, I should say. It's a finite supply. We do not have, cannot find right now, enough lithium ion, okay? Enough of the, the precious metals and the precious resources to produce enough batteries at a quality level, by the way, to do so, let alone the other infrastructure needs, let alone the inability for us to be able to quick charge a vehicle. You know, we've had reporters, right, who have done trips from, I think, Chicago to New Orleans and back, right? We've had people try to do a cross-country trip from, I think, uh, Washington, D.C. to California, and they'll never do it in an EV again. Why? Because the infrastructure is not there to allow them to easily do it the way that we're used to doing it. In order for the American people to to do these things, we, we have to realize that um, we, we have to change the infrastructure. We can't even um, have a conversation, Pat, around changing the infrastructure and enhancing our infrastructure around our electric grid in this country. We... We haven't done a thing in 20 years, despite the fact that we know that we're very vulnerable in our electric grid. We've working this out. It is very easy for our, our opponents, if they wanted to attack us, they don't need to do anything. They don't even have to land ashore. Just attack our electric grid. It is super vulnerable because our leaders are, are in that case, focused in on the wrong things. We're focusing in on the wrong things as a society. I will agree on that. Okay, but uh, no, but I would also, I mean, if we're going to go down that route, I, mm -hmm. I think it would be more accurate to say that it wouldn't be just the Biden administration, right? It right, and that's the, my point the, is that, right? But but at every level, right, along all right. of these these potential pratfalls of our society, they tend to go on the side of the what we're going to do will negatively impact you. That's incompetence. That is not focusing in on the wrong thing. Right. Right. Um, and, and that's my my point when it comes to this. Now, right. And I, by the way, I asked this question intentionally the way that I did, because if we were to say if I were to say truth or fiction, you know, this this administration is handling things incompetently. I mean, we've already talked about that. At, oh, at, at at nauseam. Yeah. Yeah. The, so, this is the most incompetent. And mm -hmm. I will say this out loud. The dumbest presidency of all time. This is literally the most incompetent presidency I have ever seen. I, I what you doing around every corner <clears throat> and around every issue? They managed to screw it up. There's a reason why the uh, Obama administration kept. Um, Joe somewhat quiet throughout the, his entire presidency. There's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, <clears throat> I just uh, fail to understand how anybody sees us yeah, on the right track or fairly going fairly well or whatever. I mean, even in the housing industry, right? Even in my industry, <clears throat> while things are still going pretty robust, uh, things are changing, and. It'll be interesting. Like I, I'm having the best year I've ever had so far, uh, monetarily. But that doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't mean much if if the cost of everything has gone up fifteen, twenty percent. I mean, to your point earlier about groceries and the kitchen table. I mean, <clears throat> I looked at um, at one of the grocery stores here as we picked up groceries on Sunday, and oh hey, uh, a pound of hamburgers down to four something on sale. You know what I mean? Like, hey, that's a great thing. I mean, just I, I mean, I, I where we notice it the most is in is in eggs and the price of milk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it, it's just it's absolutely insane. Now I think we've beaten that horse to death uh, by now. Uh, the incompetence, not the focus in on the wrong things. Um, because we can walk and chew gum at the same time. But I have a truth or fiction for you, Pat. 
truth or fiction, we are headed to a real national divorce in America. You know, we, we've talked about this a little bit before. Um, we've hypothesized what, what would happen, what could happen before. Um, and, and I think I've even said that this would be more of a truth thing before as, as well. Um, it, it, it's always kind of a hard one to say whether or not this is actually going to be truth or fiction in the long run. But if I, if I had to guess right now, I'm, I'm going to say truth, but part of me wants to say fiction and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay. I'm going to say truth. I'm going to say truth because of the spirit of the age, mm. because of the cultural war that we're in. Um, because I, I, I really feel like we have come to a point in this country where the values and even the principles of whatever ideology you lean towards are so different from the opposite that you can't share a society um with the other um it doesn't work it, it, it's almost like you cannot coexist with that other side anymore because we don't have a basic framework value system or a set of principles that we can all at least center around not saying that we don't disagree on certain issues or how things are, are handled in certain ways. Uh, I'm not suggesting that at all. Um, but there has to be like this like general framework that we all are centered around. And we aren't anymore. We just aren't. Now, the part of me that wants to say that this is fiction is we look at what our government is doing right now, what this administration is doing <clears throat> right now, and some of the divisiveness that, that has come out of this administration and, you know, you've got inflation in the economy hitting everybody. It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't matter what your affiliations are, what your ideology is. It, 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 this is negatively impacting everyone, period. Mm -hmm. Okay. If there was ever going to be something that could unite the country right now, it's that. And that would be the reason why we wouldn't have a national divorce. But. I don't know. I don't know that the spirit of the age and the cultural war that we're in gives a flying flip about that at the end of the day. And that's why I would ultimately say truth. Interesting. Um, I ultimately say truth as well. And I bring this up because the state of New Hampshire, New Hampshire, uh, New Hampshire. Yeah. New Hampshire um, looks like it is going to become and it has a very high likelihood to declare independence from the United States of America. New Hampshire. Yep. You're dead serious about this. They have a new bill. Now, this bill has come up in the past um, and has been voted down. But from what I have heard from little birdies on the ground in New Hampshire, um, this has a real chance of passing this time around. It is in the 2022 session a constitutional amendment concurrent resolution number 32 relating to independence. All right. <clears throat> so it is a very simple resolution. Providing that the state peacefully declares the independence from the United States and proceeds as a sovereign nation. And this has multiple sponsors in the New Hampshire legislature. And I bring this up and I'm talking about national divorce because New Hampshire is, right, the home of the Free State Project, right? And it's home of much more of a libertarian bent than anywhere else in the country. Correct? I was going to say, of all, of all the New England states, New Hampshire is very different. It is. Mm. But what happens if they, if they go ahead with succession? Right, secession. What is, what happens? What are, are is the American military going to come in and and uh, do what? 
right? Like, this is the flashpoint, I think, for people to have this light bulb turn on in their own heads and really start to think about where we're headed. Because we are headed down a very dark, dark, dark path. And we've talked about this time and time again on the show. And that's the reason why I brought this up. What happens if New Hampshire says, no, we're good, peace out? I, I, we, we live in a country called the United States of America, correct? Correct. Meaning, I would guess that uh, a state has the ability to say yes or no. In fact, Texas literally has that written into their constitution, their state constitution. They hold the right to say yes or no to being a member of the United States of America. Which is what is so interesting about this, because I thought <clears throat> I would have thought Texas would have been one of the first states to do this, not New Hampshire. Um, yeah, but New Hampshire has a much more liberty minded uh, individuals like Texas is different in the the I mean, they they just voted Greg Abbott back into the Republican. Uh, so in the Republican primary at 75 percent, right, they, they voted yeah, uh, Greg Abbott, 75 percent. Greg Abbott is. As close in Texas to John Cornyn as you could get, right? The 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 he forced lockdowns. He did all of these other things. He is about as left as you can get when you become a Republican in the state of Texas, and yet seventy five percent of the people in the GOP said mm, yes, more Greg Abbott, please. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. They, they don't. They're not liberty minded. In Texas, they really aren't. There are pockets of that, but by and large, it is get along to get along in the state of Texas. And so I asked this question because what happens if New Hampshire does pass this resolution? What is the United States government going to do? Are they going to enforce them being part of some sort of compact? Like, where in the Constitution does it say you cannot? ever not become a part of what we are because it's literally written in. And this is the the conversation that I've had in my own head, because on the one hand, I see the point of you agreed to become part of the United States of America. On the other hand, it is the United States of America. And we have a declaration of independence that tells us if a government is abusing its powers and abusing its people, we have the right to dissolve the ties that bind us. And put new guards into place. Exactly. And put new Mm -hmm. guards into place. So what do we do? What do we do as a society um, when these things are happening? Furthermore, my question would be, if if this succeeds in New Hampshire, Hampshire? how long before before other states follow suit? I, I don't know. And I guess that that is the ultimate question here, right? Because I don't right. think if New Hampshire does this by themselves, it's going to mount to a hill of beans. But I do know that if they do this and it is the impetus for other places to do it, I could see Arizona going down this route. I could see potentially, potentially a Florida Utah could be in that conversation as well, though I don't know that we would at the end of the day. Yeah, because Utah has a very Um, different history when it comes to the federal government, right? I could see a North Dakota. I could see a Minnesota. From a different perspective, they could do this from, because Minnesota has always had this very weird independent streak, and its state politics are really weird. Like, there is no – did you know that the Democratic Party actually doesn't exist in the state of uh, Minnesota? I actually did know that, but I did know that their politics and the way that they do things there are actually quite weird. Yeah, it's like it's called the the Minnesota Democratic Farmers uh, Party or something like that. It's it, there the way that these things have to be registered is really weird. Um, Minnesota's weird, period. Um, but I could see a state like Iowa potentially looking at independence. Iowa. I could mm-hmm. see a North or a South Dakota looking that direction. I could see an Idaho looking that direction, right? There, There's a lot of states that have this independent spirit within them. And is that the spark of that independent spirit? 
At, at what point have the ties that bind us been broken? Is is a question that I think a lot of people are going to have to to reckon with over the coming years. And I'm not suggesting that Ron DeSantis is the answer or this person, you know, or Donald Trump getting back into office is the answer that will quell these things because it it's a spirit. It is the, the, a liberty-minded, principled stance to say, hang on a second. You know, we're still going down an authoritarian path here, and I don't want any part of it. Right. And interestingly enough, you, you mentioned a liberty-minded spirit. And, and the thing is, no politician, no person, no human person can undo, I think, what's happening in front of our eyes. We cannot rely on – there is – Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis – they're not going to save us, period. Not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, the only way that I could see it happening is if the Department of Ag, the Department of Energy, the Department of uh, Education, um, the EPA, the CDC, all of these alphabet soup organizations are, see you later. Good luck getting through that bureaucracy because it's been so entrenched. Um, But... I'll save part of that argument for another day. My my overarching point here is that I do think it, at some level a national divorce is coming. And I think we're already seeing it because people are migrating where? How do, how do how does Florida go from right, right. uh being as as purple as purple can get, right? To the point where literally hanging chads mattered in a 2000 election to this last election where it was less than a, what, half of a percent between him and uh, between Ron DeSantis and um, Andrew Gillum, who now in less than a year after that election um, decided to do gay hookers and blow. Right. Right. So, Think about that. Less than a half a percent between Ron DeSantis and gay hookers and blow guy to now having a million and a half registration advantage in that state. Ron DeSantis in less than two years has basically taken the purplest state, the the most swing of all states in this union to the reddest state. How does that happen? When you dump a ton of people into the state over the course of a pandemic who see the freedom that was given, quote unquote, given, or more importantly, just allowed to happen for the most amount of people in that state possible. You dumped a ton of people who believe in liberty and freedom into the state over the course of the last two years. And with that, um, why don't we move on here, Pat, because I think it is time for us to play the beer, not the beer. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right. So today's headline. <clears throat> Fauci says he's planning to retire by the end of Biden's term. Fauci says he's planning to retire by the end of Biden's term. Is this the B or not the B? And while you're thinking about that again, folks, please, please, please Join the liberty-minded movement. Join Reviving Liberty. Go to revivingliberty.com. Like we have said throughout this episode, a brand new Reviving Liberty episode dropped this morning. So subscribe away on whatever podcasting platform you have. It is um, it is a movement. It is meant for you to focus in on yourself and your family and 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 putting yourself on a an intentional liberty mindseted pathway in your own life. And uh, today's episode is about shining a light. Um, it's about exposing um, the other side, if you will, the spirit of the age and its works and its vessels. But it's also about shining a light on liberty and shining a light on on the good stories and the positivity of liberty. Um, so go check that out. Uh, revivingliberty.com is where you can find the episodes and um, where you can subscribe away if you need to or want to. Uh, but yeah, revivingliberty.com. And of course, thank you to our great sponsors at American Pride Roasters as well. American Pride Roasters in my cup this morning. A little at the mic, by the way, the 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 uh, the Keith Malinak um, 
variety, the macadamia nut variety um, in my cup this morning. Uh, with that having been said, uh, Pat, do you need the headline one more time? I, I don't think so, unless you've uh, changed the headline somehow. This is likely going to be not the B. You are correct. That's right. Fauci says he's planning to retire by the end of Biden's term. <clears throat> Dr. Excuse me, Lord Savior President Dr. Anthony Fauci has just said in an interview that he plans to retire by the end of the Biden administration. Quote, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the chief medical, excuse me, excuse me, Lord Savior President Dr. Anthony Fauci, the chief medical advisor to the White House confirmed he will retire by the end of President Joe Biden's first term, but it could come much earlier than that, the infectious disease expert told Reuters in an interview on Monday. Quote, I haven't made an announcement of my retirement, but it could be um, anywhere from now until then, Fauci said in the telephone interview. I don't know yet. Um, along the lines of truth or fiction here, Pat, truth or fiction, um, our Lord, Savior, President, Dr. Anthony Fauci um, will will retire um, as of November. I'm going with truth. Hmm. And, and the reason why I'm going with truth is because he sees the writing on the wall. And I think he, in his mind, he's thinking Republicans are going to come after me. Which, I mean, in, in some semblance, they already have. Now, say what you will on that, because I've, we've seen Republicans go after people before mm -hmm. and nothing mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. Um so I, I, I do see that as truth. And he's, he's like, well, if I remove myself yeah. from the situation, they'll just leave me alone. Because I do, I do honestly think he is sick and tired of having to deal with, Ron, with Rand Paul. Yeah, because um, Rand Paul runs circles around him every time. Right. Because right. he comes with receipts every time. Right. And so, and so he doesn't want to go down for any of the scandals that he's been a part of over the last couple of years. Right. Because and, if, he, if he's still a public official, right, he has to appear in front of them if they subpoena him. He, he can't right. not do that. And, and then he no longer has to, I believe, if he's no longer there. Correct. So here's here's the kicker, though. Like if if by some chance, you know, the Democrats ret retain control, he might stay. But he's not. I think he sees the writing on the wall, and that uh, he's that—that's why he's saying what he's saying. I also think he's saying, "Twenty twenty-four, Biden ain't winning." Um, and and if Biden ain't running in twenty twenty-four, the Democrats ain't winning. And if Trump or DeSantis get into office, I'm really screwed. And so he's gonna at least be out by the end of the Biden administration. So it really just depends on what happens politically in the country. On on when his retirement date is. Actually are you suggesting that uh, our Lord Savior President Dr. Anthony Fauci is a political animal and not a scientist, Pat? Are Are you suggesting that? Yes, I am. You bigot. I'm. I'm not. I'm not even suggesting it. I'm flat out saying it. Yeah, yeah. And, and we haven't even talked about Deborah Burks yet, and and her admission. Uh, so maybe we'll do that tomorrow. Um, but her basically um, falsifying federal documents. And uh, lying to the president of the United States to to further a <clears throat> scientific agenda. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, we'll talk about that tomorrow, but <coughs> I want to move on. Um, we got uh, each of us another truth or fiction to go here. Um, so I'm going to start with this one. Truth or fiction, the Department of Education should not exist. Truth. Huh. Absolutely truth. It, it is it is ridiculous. Uh, why? I mean, here, here's here, my biggest thing is this when it comes to the Department of Education, every state and how they address education within each state is very, very different. Mm -hmm. um, the way the way state government is set up in, in every state and how they impact education is very different. And then we have bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. that are sitting here saying, well, you have to do things in an X, Y and Z kind of way as if that works for every individual state and how they are set up. It, it is, and then and on top of that, my wife would even agree with this too. She is sick and tired of bureaucrats that have never set foot in a classroom making decisions about her job and about what her kids are learning and not learning in school. 
So, yeah, I, I absolutely agree that the um, Department of Education on the at least on the federal level. Is absolutely ridiculous and unnecessary and a waste of tax dollars. And, and more importantly, where in the Constitution does it say that this can exist? And this is the the moment in which, you know, the, the Steve Dace argument of we're a nation of political will, not laws, right? This is where oh, yeah. this argument exists because there's nowhere in the Constitution of the United States that says the federal government can control this. There's nowhere. Nowhere. No way, no how. It is only because we, the people, have allowed this to happen that it happens. Now, former Department of Education Secretary, um, right, the DOE Secretary, Betsy DeVos, has literally come out and said exactly your point. The Department of Education should not exist. She would know better than almost anybody whether or not this should exist. Right. Considering she was the secretary, secretary of the of, department of it. Yeah. Yep. 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 <clears throat> Quote, I personally think the education, the department of education should not exist. <laughs> Period. That's as blunt of a statement as you can get. Now, in an exclusive interview, excuse me, in an exclusive interview with the Daily Caller News Foundation, DeVos said that Republicans have talked about shrinking or eliminating the department for many, many years. However, she said taking practical steps like block grants to the states, which is a proposal recently introduced into Congress, could turn the tide and create a feasible option to make the idea a reality. I would argue, why are we block granting anything? Why not just leave the money where it's supposed to be in the state? Why, why are you paying anything into a federal fund for education? Why? But more importantly, Betsy DeVos actually has a five-point plan that she wants to implement. Did you know that? I did not. So, and, and she points out, though, um, also before we get into that, though, that the last two years of lockdowns and holding children hostage to political ideology and uh, the idol of, of our Lord, Savior, President, Dr. Anthony Fauci, Deborah, I'm a criminal Burks, and, and all those other individuals, um, holding them hostage to that shows that the system doesn't work, doesn't work for the people it's supposed to work for. So she has a uh, five-point plan. Now, including a, uh, one point is eliminating the Department of Education on a federal level. She also supports mul multiple pathways to a post-K through 12 education. I think that's good. Uh, the, this one-size-fits-all uh, scenario of you have to go to college or you're, you're a failure is ridiculous. We should be supporting with our tax dollars, people being able to um, learn a trade. People should be able to to not have to, like the thing that I don't understand, right? If you wanted to be become somebody who works inside of a startup and works in a tech world, and all you need to do is learn how to code or learn how to do data analysis, right? Why do I need the rest of the educational component? Why? I, it, I should be able to go to school for a year or two, be able to prove myself professionally and, and move on. Shouldn't matter. But multiple pathways to a post-K through 12 education. She also believes that federal student aid should be reformed, which I agree with uh, wholeheartedly. Because, and this is something I've talked to my wife about. When you take a look at the ultra-rich, when you take a look at the, the, the richest of the rich, right? How do they stay rich? It's because they understand how to use debt. They understand how to use it. Not abuse it, but use it. And a great example of this is the federal student aid. They, you know, they borrow as much as they possibly can in federal student aid, right, for their son or daughter's education. Correct, Pat? Correct. Because what do we know, and we've had this discussion on the show before, they're the largest component. That group of people makes up the largest component of the, the like trillion plus dollars of federal student loans that still need to be paid back. And why do they do it? Well, they can afford. They could afford to send their kid to Harvard, right? They can afford. They can afford. They can afford. Well, they have figured out how to leverage debt. So, for instance, in this case, right, they're going to take that student loan. Why? Because that 
thirty, forty thousand dollars that they get in in student loans, or that ten thousand dollars that they get in student loan, right? That's ten thousand dollars that they can free up to make money until they have to pay it back. So that ten thousand dollars can then turn into twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars if it's invested correctly or put into the right uh, vehicles or the right um, the right mechanisms, right? They're leveraging debt. They understand how to use it to their advantage. A great example of this is people don't know what home equity is. They don't understand what equity is in their home or how to use it. It is literally being able to leverage debt or leverage your investment that you have already made in your home. Most people don't know how to do it. And so if we reform federal student aid to make it aid that people really do need, can use and get access to, that would be great. But that's not where we stand. She also believes in restoring Title IX. But educational freedom, the the concept that we have talked about, the thing that has passed in Arizona, this idea that we're going to fund students, not systems, is the centerpiece of all of this. It is going back to focusing on the child. Because what we have done as as we have grown all the dollars, right? Uh, the state of Illinois spends $15,000 per student as of 2020. $15,000. We spend more money per pupil in the United States of America than anywhere else in the world, and we get shit results for it. So we should, I believe, fund a student's education. I think it is in the public interest in that social compact to make sure that people who want to get an education can get one. I believe wholeheartedly that everybody should have some sort of access to at least uh, up till the age of 18 an education. It can be up to the parent, can be up to the student of what type of education. And I've, I've always been a proponent of looking at not the Prussian model, of education, which is what we have had for the very long time, right? Kindergarten and then all the stuff that we've seen. But what I have been advocating for is much more of the German model that exists today, in which there are multiple tracks of education. So you're 14 years old. Now, most 14 years old, uh, 14 year olds don't necessarily know what they want to do for the rest of their lives. But there are, in Germany, I think three or four different tracks that exist at the age of 12 or 14, and one of which is a vocational track in which you still get some of the components of, of a well-rounded education, but you focus in on vocational technologies, right? You focus in on autos, and you focus in on electrical engineering, you focus in on this or that, right? You focus in on vocational skills, okay? There's another track in which you might uh, focus in on higher education. There's another track in which you might focus in on service industries or another track in which you might focus in on other components of education. We don't have that ability here in the United States of America right now. We need to create that ability, but that freedom and that ability to do so only comes with what? Untethering your child's education from the state. It's just that simple. Could the state provide you with mechanisms in which, you know, you get an education? Absolutely. But if, I don't know, UTI, right? The Universal Technical Institute, right? What are they, what, what is their number one frustration right now? Their inability to get people in the door. Well, what if they went into a high school program or offered people at the age of 14 the ability to, one, educate themselves still in history and math and science, right? And they only spend three hours a day on that, and the rest of it is spent learning how to fix a motorcycle or how to fix a car or whatever have you, right? We we have lost that. Uh, the, you know... The inability for the arts and the sciences, especially the, um, you know, to to the point of your wife, right? Her her departments have been absolutely just gutted across this country, and and I'm sure she speaks to that. 
you take a look at all like when I grew up, right? We had we had literally a a an auto bay in our in our uh, building, right? Where you could literally take a class and be able to fix your own car. Right? You could take classes on all these things. We don't have that anymore in large swaths of American society. Because we have focused in on paying administrators hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for that $15,000. The amount of money that is spent on you as a student has only gone up about 5%, Pat. The administrative fees have gone up nearly 95% over the course of the last 10 years. We're not focused in on educating you, the student. We're focused in on enriching the union bosses, the administrative um, aspects of all of this. And has that helped? No. That was the argument of the union, right? That was the argument of the teachers' unions and the administrative um, uh, departments. We need more staff to be able to handle all these situations, and, and we'll, we'll get great outcomes. Uh, how's that been working out? Not well at all. So I think she's hitting the nail on the head here. I really do. Um, so, Pat, with that, uh, your last truth or fiction for the day. Alrighty. Uh, truth or fiction. Um, the Biden administration will make relations with the Middle East even worse. Mm-hmm. Truth or fiction? I'm going to go with truth. And hey, here's why. why. Because the reality of our situation is this. The president of the United States of America, okay, and I have long held this, Pat, is not just the dumbest president we have ever had, but also the most incompetent and the least understanding of foreign relations I have ever seen. At least in terms of doing right by American policy, not his own pocketbook. And on one hand, he speaks ill of Saudi Arabia, right? On the other hand, he then buddy buddies with them and tries to browbeat them at the same time. You really think that's going to work? He doesn't know what he's doing in foreign policy. He never has. My argument with Biden is this. Whatever he is advocating for on foreign policy, we should be doing the exact opposite because it's always true that the exact opposite is where we should have been or what we should be doing. He's been wrong on every foreign policy issue his entire, what, 40, 50 years in and around Washington, D.C. Every single time we have had in a a pivot point, a important point in foreign relations, he's been wrong. Let's look at this, what's going on in the Middle East right now. We have, under President Trump, one of the most historic moments in our foreign policy history. The moment in which Israel, Saudi Arabia, UAE, and some other countries normalize their relations for the first time ever. There's this summit that happened, right? He was over in Israel. Have we strengthened that bond or hurt it? I would argue, based on the information available to us out of those summits, that he has hurt these relations, not helped them. That's all you need to know from my perspective. I I would tend to agree this is uh, this is truth. Um you know he so he as you mentioned he spoke at the uh, Gulf uh, Corporation uh, Council, a union among uh, Bahrain, Kuwait, Oman, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, in the, in the UAE. Uh, Biden told the Middle East Eastern leaders that despite the absence of American soldiers participating in warfare, the United States will remain involved in the region's affairs. Let me be clear, or let me state clearly, that the United States is going to remain an active, engaged partner in the Middle East. As the world grows more competitive and the challenges we face are more complex, it is only becoming clear to me how closely interwoven America's interests are with the successes of the Middle East. We will not walk away 
and leave a vacuum to be filled by China or Russia or Iran. <laughs> Except what what happened in Afghanistan again? Yeah, no kidding, right? So I, I just I, I can't I can't even take him at his word. I mean, the U.S. So according to this, the U.S. spent eight hundred billion fighting a war between Iraq and uh, between two thousand three and two thousand eleven, um, and ended the dictatorship of Saddam Hussein. According to the Council of Foreign Relations, over forty five hundred Americans and a hundred thousand Iraqis losing their lives last year and ended its invasion of Afghanistan that lasted from two thousand one to two thousand twenty one at a cost of two point three trillion dollars not to mention all the stuff that was lost. So I, I guess my question is, how much more money are we going to spend in the Middle East? And what what is it that we're going to do and how is it going to impact relations? Because if, if we've learned anything over the last 20 years, they don't really want us there. No, um, they, that's not, not necessarily not, true. Not, not in the way, not, but not in the way that we've, we've been doing it. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's a fair enough characterization. Yeah. I, I, I want to be clear. They want us there. They want our dollars. They want our money. Right. They want right. us to travel there. They want our tourism dollars. They want all of those but, things. But they also want but, to be able to, to live in the three hundreds still, when it comes right. to their uh, theocracies and whatever you want to call them. They, um, they really only want our money. They don't really want anything else from us. Yeah, they, they, they don't want to engage in Western values. Okay, but they want the Western dollar because it enriches them, not just in oil anymore. You know, you look at Qatar, why they they basically paid off the West because the West is addicted to money. They paid off the West to get the World Cup and then they enslaved people to build the, the five World Cup stadiums, right, that are coming in November. It's part of the reason why I, why I really struggle with watching most of the World Cup come November. Um, as a big soccer fan, right? As a big football fan, I just, it's slave labor that put this together. What was going on? Um, so I really struggle with that. Um, but at the same point in time, um, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too there, Biden. Uh, we're going to be an engaged partner. So what are you saying? You're not affecting any change in their policies or procedures, right? I mean, people are still being beheaded in Saudi Arabia right on the street, right? Out in the the open public for, for what? Violating Sharia law, right? But, uh, gay people all over the Middle East are being slaughtered still. Being gay is literally illegal in these countries. Are you Are you advocating for them to westernize their societies or are you just hoping to God that they'll be nice to you and give them the oil that you want? at a price that you would want in the future. If that is the case, then then what the hell? Like, do you not understand how this works? It'll be interesting to see what happens, but I, I fully agree with you. I mean, this is, this is insane. Um, Biden doesn't get it. He never will, never has. And I would also argue surrounded himself with the dumbest people on foreign policy I've ever seen. The dumbest. John Kerry is somebody who you're listening to? Are you are you serious, man? Are you serious with that? Anthony and on Lincoln. that note, Pat, your final thoughts on today's episode. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And the Let's Go Brandon administration is the dumbest administration we have ever seen. Please be smart, be safe, be kind. As always, Matthew 547. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.